Welcome to the JMR Podcast. I'm your host, Jelani, a.k.a. Jedi Master Ren, and I'm going to take you all on a trip to a galaxy far, far away. On tonight's journey, we'll discuss PlayStation's acquisition of Haven Studios, CDPR announces their new project, as well as a curious partnership, Epic Games nerfs building in Fortnite, and so much more. If you like what I'm doing here, please rate the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It really helps out the show. Follow wherever you get your podcast services. And as always, you can follow the show on Twitter at the JMR Podcast to get the latest updates on the show. Now, let's jump to hyperspace. Ooh, okay, so we are safely in light speed now. And um, before we get into our first story, I would like to touch on um, a harder topic. Because uh, I feel like it is something that is relevant, obviously, if we're talking about PlayStation. We're going to talk about that lawsuit. Um, so, you know, seeing how PlayStation has gone about, or Sony, you know, the the corporation, seeing how they've gone about this lawsuit has been discerning. It's been disheartening, you know, to see that not only do we have, the, you know, obviously the Activision Blizzard stuff going on and um, the Ubisoft stuff that's still ongoing, but... It just seems like we're getting more and more of these stories that are coming to light, which is good. It's a good thing that these stories are coming to light because we need to talk about them and we need to continuously talk about them. So then that way we can provide a better industry for these developers and for just, you know, gamers in general. Because I guess, you know, yes, we are gamers and we just, you know, we consume the product, but... We are a part of this industry as well in that sense of like, you know, again, without us, there would be no industry realistically. So, you know, we should take a better look at situations like this and we should want these companies to do better. Like, that's just it. I don't understand how hard it is to treat people with respect and to treat women with respect realistically, because that's what it all boils down to, what most of these things and most of these issues boil down to. It's treating women with disrespect, and it's so irritating to continuously have to hear these stories. And to hear that, you know, there in PlayStation, there are women who have been passed up for raises, and they, um, because of X, Y, and Z, because, you know, oh, well, whatever they, whatever their reasoning is why they're passing up a majority of their female staff for raises is ridiculous. But I did hear that one of the reasons was because they could potentially get pregnant. And that is unbelievably disgusting. And it's a, it's just one of those things where you're, you're thinking about this, like, I mean, yeah, that's a part of life. Like with female, the women, the, the female body is magnificent. It is able to create a whole entire human being inside of them without you having to do anything obviously uh, you know there's the initial stuff you know what i'm saying but i'm you know when that starts the body does it all you're you're you don't tell your body to do this stuff your body just does it because it is hardwired to do this kind of stuff for nine months for nine months i don't understand how any man can sit here and think less of a woman because of that fact in my head I think more, I think highly of women because you can make a person in your body. You're creating miracles each and every freaking day. Each and every day you're creating a miracle. So that should not be something that is, you know, put down or it's something that is, um, you know, um, a negative. You know, when you're hiring a female, uh, a, a female in your, in your organization. Um, I have multiple different sides of this. So me personally, I have a, a, um, 
woman who is uh, working with me currently. She was just hired on about a couple weeks ago, well, a month ago or so, and she's pregnant. And she literally gets up and tries, tries to get up on um, step stools to put up, you know, to, you know, do her job and do different things like, you know, putting up signs up and what, whatever, it doesn't matter. But she gets on a step stool and she's eight months pregnant. When I came around the corner and I saw her on a step stool, I immediately told her, you need to get down. You need to get down right now. Uh, and she's like, well, you know, I just want to, I, I, I know, I, but I, I don't want to ask anybody and I, I want to still do my job. I'm like, ma'am, you are doing a job. It's called making a miracle in your belly. That's more important than putting up a sign on my wall. If you need to come to anybody, come to me. I will make sure that that, that gets situated. Don't you worry. You do not get up on there. Because, again, if what happens if you fall? Then then your baby is is in jeopardy. We don't want that. I don't want that. So, no, you you do whatever you need to do to make sure that your child is safe and secure. And that's how every single person should react and should be in any situation like that when you're dealing with somebody who's pregnant, who is, again, creating a miracle inside of you. So the fact that their mentality has been, well, you know, what if you get pregnant? What What if you get pregnant? What does that have to do with anything? So that's where I'm going to end it right there. That's my little rant. Um, it just is something that's, it's been irritating me. Again, it's mostly on the pregnancy side. And it's mostly on that side because my wife had to deal with uh, situations like that at um, her job that she worked at before we had our baby. And it, it's just a level of, I don't understand how you guys, and, and again, where she worked was predominantly female. And she still was getting this backlash and felt like she was getting discriminated because she was pregnant. They didn't do anything to help her out during the pregnancy. They just, they, there were, you know, when truck comes in, those are 50 pound boxes. Why is my seven month old wife, you know, with our child in her, she's creating a child, creating a miracle. Why is she picking up 50 pound boxes when there are people who put those boxes over there in her area? They can't put them on the table. You're telling me they can't do that. And the response that she got was, well, we don't give special treatment to anyone. What do you mean you don't give special treatment to somebody who is, create, again, making a person in their body? There is no, it, it's not about, well, we don't take, we, we don't, we don't, uh, you know, treat people differently. It's, you have a pregnant worker, you need to accommodate that worker. It's just, it's plain and simple. And the same thing goes over here with PlayStation. If you're going to sit here and pass up female workers because they could potentially become pregnant, that is unbelievably absurd. And I am very, it's, it's disheartening. It's disheartening to hear that a company like this, again, they are, they are PlayStation. They are one of the biggest gaming companies in our, you know, in this, in the industry. And to see that even they cannot get away from this kind of culture and i wanted to put this at the beginning of this talk because it it, it goes in line so on uh march 21st 2022 we got the announcement that playstation is acquiring haven studios so i'm pulling from um the playstation blog here this is from herman holst himself but he goes today i am delighted to announce that haven studios is officially joining playstation studios Jade Raymond brings a wealth of experience from her industry achievements and an infectious passion for creating games, and the leadership team at Haven is an, uh, oh, sorry, is an equally impressive group of industry veterans who, had, who have collaborated on some of the biggest and most beloved games and franchises that many of us still enjoy today. 
We began working with Jade and her team in early 2021, when they were on the brink of announcing the formation of Haven Studios. From their first pitch, we were inspired by Haven's vision for creating a modern multiplayer experience that brings gamers together in positive and meaningful ways. We were confident in their creative and technical expertise to deliver on such an ambitious project and were thrilled to invest in their journey developing a new original IP for PlayStation. We're ha um, we've had the privilege of working closely with Haven this past year and have been impressed by the studio's growth and progress. So now, practically on the anniversary of when we made our partnership official, it's, a, it's especially exciting to formally welcome them into the PlayStation family. We can't wait to see what the future holds for Haven Studios. Welcome to the PlayStation Studios family, Haven. Okay, so now we've got a quote from Jade Raymond herself. She says, One year ago this month, we embarked on a journey to start Haven Studios with a small team and big ambitions. Our goal was to build a studio where we could make the kind of games we've always wanted to create and games we've longed to play. We've made amazing progress in a short time thanks to our talented, passionate team and their exceptional contributions. We established a culture at Haven grounded in kindness, adaptably, uh, adaptability, and courage and that unlocks creativity. Our first new IP for PlayStation is on track to deliver a AAA multiplayer experience with a vision to build a, system, uh, a systemic and evolving world focused on freedom, thrill, and playfulness that will keep players ent entertained and engaged for years. Today, the Haven team begins a new phase of our journey as part of the PlayStation Studios family. Working with Herman, Connie Booth, and the team at PlayStation over the past year has been a career highlights. Uh, SIE is a supportive partner that truly understands the creative process and what it takes to make a blockbuster AAA game. They have empowered and encouraged us to bring our bold vision to life and make our dreams come true, and we could not be more thrilled about this opportunity to strengthen our partnership. As a SIE first-party studio, we will have the opportunity to collaborate with some of the world's most renowned development teams, including studios like Gorilla, Naughty Dog, Media Molecule, and Insomniac Games, uh, the, creators of the, uh, the creators of games that have inspired us as players and developers for years. We're excited to learn from these world-class studios, as well as the exceptional central creati uh, creative technology and marketing teams whose expertise will enable us to deliver even better games to players. To our Haven team, a huge thank you. It's been one of the most rewarding years of my career, and to the players out there, we cannot wait to share more. We're just at the beginning of what is sure to be a wondrous adventure that will span generations. That is, again, Jade Raymond, CEO and founder of Haven Studios. So I, uh, I, like, I like seeing this kind of stuff. And, I, and when I say this kind of stuff, I mean these blog posts and letting these studios come out and the heads of these studios come out and give their piece and their side of, you know, how they're feeling about this acquisition and, you know, where we're going to go from here and how excited they are to go from here. Um, as you can see, this was, this was a weird acquisition, you know, for PlayStation, um, based on, you know, the track record and what we've seen of them in the last, uh, you know, year and a half, two years of their acquisitions. Um, it seems as though, based on, you know, past track record, they only go for studios that they have worked with in the past, as in Insomniac Games, for instance. Insomniac Games has been working with PlayStation. They have made Wretched and Clank for 
pretty much every single console except for uh, PS1, but PS2, PS3, PS4, they have been, you know, with PlayStation and locked into PlayStation for a while. And it just took uh, Spider-Man to come out for them to really put the, the ring, you know, ring on the finger kind of thing so they could lock down that partnership and make sure that, you know, anything that comes out of Insomniac is going to be PlayStation. And realistically, if I'm being honest with you guys, I didn't even realize that, you know, that wasn't a thing. I assumed that Insomniac was um, with PlayStation um, this entire time until, until they came out with, um, it, what is it called? Um, Sunset Overdrive on the Xbox One when that launched. I, that was one of the first games I played on the um, eighth generation of consoles. And I believe because yeah, we're in eighth or we're in ninth generation now, I believe. But um, during the Xbox or yeah, Xbox One, PS4 generation, that was one of the first games I played, and I absolutely adored that game. I I loved it to pieces. Finding out too, you know, as I'm playing through that game, um, I'm noticing that the voice of the main character sounds really, really familiar, really, really familiar. And I'm telling you, I'm gonna we're gonna get back, but just stick with me here. Really familiar and. I start to look on IMDb and I'm like, okay, who is this guy? And then I see, okay, Yuri Lowenthal. Cool. Who's that? Because I know, I'm like, I I know this guy. I know his voice like the back of my hand. I just don't know where it's from. Like, I know this voice has been a part of my life for years. So I go and start searching, you know, snooping, seeing what other projects he's been in. My man played Ben 10 on Ben 10 Alien Force and Ben 10 Ultimate Alien and I believe Ben 10 Omniverse. I don't know, but boy, those shows were my my SHIT back in the day when I was growing up. So yes, he very much was in my life and was a part of my life, or at least his voice was, for years, years. So having him in that game was a delight. And then, bringing it back, having him in Spider-Man, having him play Peter Parker huge delight huge delight i love him i love yuri lowenthal and i love what he does now back to haven studios i really feel like you know this is a different kind of ballpark that sony is uh is playing in right now it seems like they go for studios that they're confident in and i'm not saying that they're not confident again obviously they're confident they're putting money behind haven but that have a track record let's say they, they they have been working with them for years. Um, it just seems like it's that time. How Smart comes to mind as well. Um, Blue Point 2. These are, again, most recent ones. And it just made sense. It just, it, it works. It fits into the mold that they have been creating over the, over the PS4 generation. And it just goes together in a cohesive manner. Now we come to this one. And, you know, Haven Studios was just announced last year just announced to be, you know, Jade Raymond came out and said, We're, I'm making a new studio uh, because she has not really had the chance to get one of her own projects off the ground. Uh, you know, she, she has been working with EA. She was trying to get the Star Wars license, that Star Wars game off the ground. That didn't, that, that ended up getting canceled. She went over to Google Stadia, was working on a game with, with that. That ended up getting canceled. So it just seems like all of these bigger companies, at least to her, it was, she didn't have a lot of chance to get her, product out there and that's why she decided to go for haven Studios. so we're not really you know we're not deep into the lifespan of this studio so it just is it strikes me as odd that playstation is putting all of their eggs in this basket right now you know without having any track record but 
as we know, they have already had a collaboration in in, in play, right? They they announced last year that they were going to be collaborating with Haven Studios on their first project, and it's going to be a PlayStation exclusive game. So here is that little insight and that in where PlayStation feels or Sony S I E feels like they can um, see the product and they know and understand what is going to come from this studio, and they feel like you know what. We like your vision. We appreciate what you guys have done so far on this, you know, on the uh, the new IP. I'm, we're, we're, you know what? We're going to back you. We're going to, we're going to bring you into the family. That way, if this is a flop, if this does flop, because again, this sounds, based on what she was saying, it sounds like a games as a service game. And we all know how hard it is to get those games off the ground. RIP Avengers. So, um, with that being said, it does seem kind of weird, or not weird, but it does seem like, there is, you know, there is some kind of leeway and some support on Sony's side just in case this project doesn't, you know, go all the way or does, they don't stick the landing on this one and it kind of comes in and comes out real quick. The other question is, they just bought Destiny. And again, they did buy it, but they're not, it wasn't PlayStation that bought it, so they're not a part of the PlayStation Studios family, they, but Sony bought them. So it begs the question... Do we, you guys are going to have two major, well, don't know about Haven Studios. Again, I would assume with the talent that's in this studio, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a good game, right? It's going to be a banger. They've got a decent amount of, of, um, veterans in the industry, gaming developers that know what they're doing and are passionate, or at least what, you know, what we've seen, it seems like they're passionate about this project. So, that's all you can really ask for when you're wanting your game developers to, you know, to be making and working on a new game. You want them to be passionate about the project and you want them to be excited to show this off and to come in every day and put in the work on it, right? So that's where we're sitting at. But again, with them having Destiny and Destiny being one of the top, if not the top, games as a service game for years now. And, you know, they've officially, in my opinion, cracked the formula for games as a service um how how does this play effect how how does haven studios fit into that mold that we've already kind of seen with um with destiny and now all of them being under sony playstation sie kind of thing so it's 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 an interesting thing to think about and an interesting thing to see sony take a leap of faith on haven studios and that really gives me personally a a good sign that gives me a good sign that you know they're doing something special there because again we've seen the track record of how playstation has gone about these acquisitions but with them now having haven and they have nothing under their belt except for the tenure of the different developers at their different you know studios that they've been at over the years it sounds like you know either they 100 percent believe in the idea of what this studio can do or they 100% believe on what the IP is and what they can bring to the PlayStation lineup and again we as they said in this blog post they've been working with them this past year they've seen the the new IP and they've seen it running and they they can see the passion of these of this studio and i think that's probably the the main crutch of why they wanted to make sure that they had this in their belt again we're seeing acquisitions across the board, right? We're seeing this stuff across the board. It's not stopping. And again, obviously, we just saw Microsoft in January acquire um, Activision. 
obviously not going through yet, but last year they acquired Bethesda. These are bigger acquisitions than just Haven Studios. So as you can start to see, there is a divide in Sony's mentality on acquisitions and Microsoft's mentality on acquisitions. And both can be a benefit. That's the thing. Both can be a benefit to the industry, but a benefit in different ways. So with Microsoft's side of things, they acquire Bethesda. So now Bethesda has, again, Bethesda was big in and of itself already, but, you know, their their games had a lot of jank. It had a lot, a lot of jank. So it seemed, you know, maybe with them underneath the Microsoft brand, maybe that jank starts to get smoothed out. Maybe they now are not super pressured to have to come out with a game every year and they can use and they can lean on the other Microsoft first party studios to kind of fill out the year and they don't have to worry about having to churn out something every year, a different, you know, cause obviously they have a bunch of IP, but they don't have to worry about that. They can take their time on these IPs instead of having to try to rush them out the door and then they come in, you know, hot and they come in with bugs. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect with the Activision side of things, do we think that somebody else could have acquired them? You know, maybe that was Sony's, or Sony, maybe that was Microsoft's mindset was that, you know, there are these bigger players in the pool right now in the gaming industry that are, or at least trying to, you know, muscle into the gaming industry. And we're talking Netflix, we're talking Amazon, Google stuff, corporations like that. And we see them doing this. Do we want them to have sole ownership of one of the biggest IPs in the gaming industry, be it Call of Duty. Those are those are the, the conversations I feel like had to have been happening at the Microsoft side of things. Because again, you know, they brought on a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of studios, a lot of people they brought on with this, or they will be bringing on with this acquisition. And as well, a lot of baggage with the Activision lawsuit and all that crap that's going on over there. So it just... It had to have been a, a a deeper decision than just, well, you know, they asked us if we wanted to buy, so they might as well. I feel like they're trying to future-proof the gaming industry. And not just Microsoft, Sony as well. Sony as well, because now think of it on that side with this Haven stuff. What if, you know, Haven Studios does sound like a promising studio. I mean, when we started hearing about it and hearing about all of these, the, the veteran developers that are going to be inside of that studio and interjected in there, it just seemed like, yeah, this is a promising, you know, uh, group of guys or group of guys and gals that are going to do the good work kind of thing and do, you know, put in that work and actually care about it. And then the, obviously, too, the whole premise of the name Haven it being like, this is a haven for developers to come to. So if you don't feel like you're respected, if you don't feel, you know, comfortable in the workplace that you're at now, come to Haven Studios because it will be a haven for you, for the developers. And I love hearing that. Now, I do want to bring it back to the top of this conversation about this lawsuit and this PlayStation lawsuit. And I mean, realistically, corporations in general, because it does, I mean, it does seem like Haven Studios, Jade Raymond, she made that studio specifically to get away from corporations and to get out from underneath them so she could do her own thing. I'm not saying that they're not going to be able to do that with PlayStation. I'm not saying that at all. It just strikes me as odd that you go and make a studio on your own. You get all these people and you start talking about it, talking it up, getting people hyped for this. And then a year later, you go back underneath the corporation. Not only that. Obviously, these talks, let's, let's you know, get this out of the way. These talks have been going on, I feel like, before these lawsuits started to come, you know, 
came up to the surface. I guarantee they had been talking about this for months about, you know, this acquisition. But it still stands that, you know, this is the climate of PlayStation now. And it's like, Jay, do you do you want your studio underneath that? You know, like, do you 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 did so much. You worked so hard to put a, a line in the sand and show like you are different than these corporations and now you're going right back with the corporation. So again, is it going to be beneficial for her staff that she has at that studio? Yes, they're going to have support from Sony. They're not going to have to worry about if a game flops, they don't have a job anymore. They don't have to worry about that. So yes, they have job security now. That's a huge plus. Do I believe that Sony is going and PlayStation are going to let them you know, run their ship the way that they want to, obviously stepping in if need be. But do I think that they're going to? Yes, I think that they are going to be pretty much hands off and they're going to let Haven be Haven. And I think that's a, a, probably a huge talking point that Jade had. I, again, this is, this is me speculating, but I feel like that would be, again, because of how the studio and the nature of the studio becoming a thing. It just seems like th- her passion is to be by herself and not by herself, but to do things on her own, to not have big brother over her telling her what she needs and what time and, you know, when this game needs to drop at this at this date and all that kind of stuff. She wants to be able to make her own decisions on this thing. So it just it, it strikes me as a little it just strikes me as odd. It just strikes me a little odd. Um, so, again, there are different um, pros and cons to this. One huge pro, though, one huge pro that I started thinking about. Jade is the one who had the Star Wars IP under EA. And I think it was, I don't remember, it started with an R. I don't remember what the um, the tagline was, what the, you know, the, the code name was for it. But it was supposed to be an open world Star Wars game. And it only wasn't brought to light because it got canceled by EA. So the question is now, do we see Lucasfilm going back to Jade? You know? They are getting, they're, they're playing hot and loose with their IP, with the Star Wars IP. They're giving it to everybody. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think it's fantastic. Y'all know I love my Star Wars. I love it. So I am here for all, anything Star Wars. I'm here for it. As long as you know the, you know, you know the IP, you have a love for it, and you care, and you are putting that love, passion, and creativity into the game, I'm, I'm here. I'm pulling up for it. I'm pulling up. So I am interested in the possibility of a another another exclusive star wars game to the playstation because again lucasfilm has already trusted jade with the ip they already did when she was under ea again maybe while she was under haven maybe that was a little too too risky you know a new studio don't know if we can really trust them to make again i'm not saying this but i'm saying lucasfilm maybe this is their mindset but now that they're under playstation PlayStation has the Marvel stuff. They've got Spider-Man. The best Spider-Man game to date. They've got Wolverine now. Coming possibly 2024. At the earliest. That's my prediction. At the earliest 2024. But we've got all this stuff coming down the pipeline in Marvel. And you can see that their studios have a passion, love, and understanding of the character. And it seems like Jade had that when she was at EA with this project that she was working on, this Star Wars project. So do we see Lucasfilm come back to Haven, come back to Jade, and give her another shot at making that IP a reality, at making that story a reality? That's 
my prediction. That's a, a, a Star Wars fan hoping that we can see something like that, you know, down the road. Um, but speaking of new games and all that, you know, this industry is just constantly moving. It's never stopping. We got an update from CDPR, CD Projekt Red, about their new project. So this also came on March 21st, but I'm going to pull from their blog. This it, it reads, we're happy to announce that the next installment in the Witcher series of video games is currently in development, kicking off a new saga for the franchise. This is an exciting moment as we're moving from Red Engine to Unreal Engine 5, beginning a multi-year strategic partnership with Epic Games. It covers not only licensing, but technical development of Unreal Engine 5, as well as potential future versions of Unreal Engine. Where relevant, obviously. Um, we'll closely collaborate with Epic Games' developers, with the primary goal being to help tailor the engine for open-world experiences. At this point, no further details regarding the game, such as development time, uh, time frame, or release date are available. Red Engine, the technology which powers CD Project or Cyberpunk 2077, is still being used for the development of the upcoming Cyberpunk 2077 expansion. So that's all we got right here to kind of uh, brush up on on what's going on with CDPR. So this was a this was a very weird news day. Obviously, we get Haven, then we get this, and I'm just like, whoa! It's very weird that um, you know CDPR is coming out this soon. And announcing this stuff. <laughs> so, and the reason that I find it weird is because not, we just got the next gen version last month. Last month. I mean, literally a month ago, because it's the 24th. So, literally a month ago, we got this next gen version of uh, Cyberpunk 2077. And like I said, when um, in that episode, uh, the week that it came out, they, I feel like they did a good job, you know, with uh, putting their heads down, going back to work, going back to the drawing board, and fixing a lot of the issues that I at least had on my playthrough. Again, I played this game first time on the PS5. It was backwards compatible, but still was on the PS5. I had at least five to six crashes every single playthrough. Every playthrough. And finally, I had to stop. I just had to stop playing it, and I had to put it down until the next gen came out. And I finally did hop in for a little bit, and then I maybe like hour two hours or so um but they they definitely did you know go back to the drawing board and they they put their heads down like i said and they were able to produce something that is more in line to what they their vision was and that's always a good thing you know i i always give credit where credit is due and that's awesome that you know we stopped we stopped hearing about the roadmap we stopped hearing about like what you know what's going on inside the development they just stopped talking they went silent and they got to work and they provided something that was tangible and that again was at not not completely buggy free but at least playable at least playable at this point and where you can have an enjoy an, an enjoyable experience but again i don't want people to forget what you know what conspired during this time i don't want people forgetting their sneaky practices and the lies that they told during the marketing of this game because it was a complete disaster and it was a lie they lied to us verbatim they said features were going to be in the game they weren't they said that this game was going to be the revolution of rpg games you're never going to play another rpg game again this is going to be the end all be all 
Obviously, I'm putting a little bit of my pizzazz into that. But that was basically where they were going, where they were getting at. They were, I mean, that's the kind of terminology that they were using during that, during the marketing, uh, the, the years of marketing for this game. So, and then to see the E3 gameplay demo, that 45 minute, 49 minute gameplay demo to be completely fake. It's like, guys, y'all, we need to still, we, we still need to understand who we're dealing with here. You know what I'm saying? Again, credit where credit is due. They put their heads down. They got to work. They, they, they made the necessary changes. But let's also think that it also took them a year, over a year, to get it to this state. And it's still not even completely polished. It's good. It's good. But it's not polished. I could recommend the game now to friends. But it's not a pol completely polished experience. It's, again, it is night and day compared to what I was playing back in 2020. Uh, at the end of 2020. But... That just says that the game needs to be delayed. And if you feel like you've got to make your the, the reviewers who are reviewing your product, you're making them withhold information from their view from their audience, and we're saying like their actual gameplay, their 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 raw gameplay, you won't let them show that. So if you don't let them show that, guess what? Nobody can see the jank that they're actually seeing or that we're that you're that they are experiencing. And Obviously, we had the promise that, you know, the day one patch was going to fix a lot of things. And a lot of reviewers, a lot of them, they trusted that that was going to be the case. And unfortunately, CDPR showed us that we really can't trust these developers to that extent. And we really need to wait until the game is in our hands to make an educated decision on what's going to happen and what we're going to go or uh, what we're going to do and how we're going to go from here kind of thing. Um, but with this announcement, it does come some questions, right? So... Obviously, based on um, when they announced Cyberpunk, it seems like this is way far out, right? Like, we don't... I, who knows when it's coming? I, there is... They even say it in the blog. This is not an announcement of time frame of when this is coming out. You ain't getting nothing more than we are working on The Witcher. So, okay, that's cool. Whatever. Um, the next thing, though, is what... It, it said that it's a new saga, a new uh, a new saga uh for the Witcher franchise that intrigues me that intrigues me cuz the you know we have multiple sagas like there's the um the infinity saga in marvel that spans you know the the god no, uh, i don't even know how many movies are in that first saga but y'all know i mean it's a lot it's a lot in that first saga right but it is still a continuous story so what is what is this saga? Is this the Siri saga? I don't think so because she only came in in the third episode or third episode, the third game. So it's like, how are you distincting the two? What is what makes Witcher one through three separate from this new Witcher that you're doing? Realistically, we could say it moving to Unreal Engine five. That's the difference, right? But realistically, like story wise, what is what is the the difference here? why we're calling it a a new saga and i'm putting quotes around that again when we get into we're in the 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 next saga of um of marvel right now and i don't know if you know anybody who is keeping up with it but there is a tonal difference from the shows and the movies and everything that they are producing right now that they're coming out with there's a tonal difference from what we had in the um in the infinity saga and it's because they're trying to lay those seeds down. They're trying to show you this is a different saga. We are done telling that whole long web of story with the Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos. We're done. That's put to rest. We're moving on to something else now. And it's kind of like a reboot, 
like what we see in comic books. And I honestly, at least on the Marvel side, I really appreciate that because it just shows you that like, no, like these movies are deriving from the comics. It only makes sense for them to kind of act like the comics and have, maybe we do see a reboot coming down the line, you know, not this saga, but maybe in the third saga, we see, you know, an Iron Man. We see an Iron Man. It's not going to be Tony Stark, but it, it's, you know, a somebody else under the under the helmet kind of thing. That would be cool to see. Same thing here. What are we going to see? What is Geralt going to be doing in this one? I I don't know. But these are questions that we are more than likely going to see in the coming years. And I put a, I put plural and emphasis on years because I don't think we're seeing this anytime soon, guys. I really don't. I'm I'm thinking this is we might see this shoot 2025, you know, because like realistically, Unreal Engine 5 is not even out yet. It's not even ready. It's not out to uh, to publishers and um, and developers yet. So what I mean, we've got to first wait for that to launch. And to get it in the hands of developers. Then the actual um, development can be done with this game. But right now, the game is stagnant. That's why they don't have a release date. Because all they have is a concept of the game. That's probably why they haven't given... They can't give us any more info on it. Except the fact that it's coming. Don't worry, it's coming. Alright, guys? So, that's just kind of where we sit at. But again, like I say, when you do something good, credit where credit is due. I feel like they have turned around with the Cyberpunk 2077 fiasco crap that has been, you know, plaguing them for the better half of a year. I think with the next-gen upgrade, that has earned them some goodwill. And with that comes, you know, this announcement. I do think that this was planned. I think that they had, they wanted to get the next-gen upgrade out before ever talking about the next Witcher. Obviously, we still have um, the next-gen Witcher that is still unannounced. We have no idea when that's coming, but that is still in the works. So I uh, obviously, before we hear anything more of this, we will be hearing more updates on that that's coming out. I assume that will be maybe end of this year or maybe beginning of next year, same time. Maybe we're thinking February, March is when we get a Witcher 3 next-gen version. That sounds ridiculous. That really does. Like saying it out loud, that sounds absolutely absurd. But I mean... We're in March of 2022. When did they even say that they were going to come out with The Witcher? I believe it was 2021, at the beginning of 2021, that they that they were, you know, planning to release that, and then it keeps getting delayed. So we're going to, again, we're going to have to wait and see whenever we see that. But as we're talking about Epic, and as we're talking about this partnership with Epic Games, what does this mean for Epic? And what does this mean for CDPR? They're claiming that they're going to be collaborating with them. They're going to be working with them to help Unreal Engine 5 be better for open world games. And obviously, CDPR has a stake in that because they are they they work and they operate in open world games. So obviously, you know, working with working hand in hand with Epic to make sure that Unreal Engine 5 is the best that it possibly could be for those developers who are trying to create an expansive world like that. That's a plus. But where does it end? Where does this where where does this partnership end? Because again, it says it covers not only licensing but technical development of Unreal Engine Five. Where do we see where, where do we see this partnership going as we go forward? Now, there's not a lot to go off of here from what they from what CDPR wanted to tell us. There's not a lot to really touch on. But do we see them get acquired by an Epic? You know, like that that can come up into conversation as well. Do I don't think that CDPR would want to sell but 
Epic has the money too. I, I I would assume they've got the money. They've got they they've got the clout. They definitely could make that purchase if they felt like it was necessary, right? And at this point, uh, maybe not, maybe not super necessary, but we'll have to wait and see. You know, with CDPR and the way that they've been uh, they've been going about their business, it just who knows what's going to happen. You know, from the day to day there. So, but you know. As we're talking about Epic, I do want to transition over to a Fortnite conversation. This crept up out of nowhere. And when I was listening to this, I literally screamed and I had multiple people come around the corner to see if I was okay. Because Fortnite, or I apologize, Epic nerfed building in Fortnite. What in the world? What do you mean? Like, I, uh, what? What? So we're going to get into this. I am um I am just I'm baffled baffled that they made this decision. Now, me personally, ever since I started playing this game and the one of the main reasons that I did not play Fortnite for years, years did not touch that game is because of the building. I do not build. I'm not a builder. I don't have time to deal with that crap. There's a whole bunch of crap that's going on in the game. It's a battle royale. I'm having to deal with trying to figure out how to shoot the guy across the map, let alone having to build a, a build cover around myself and then a, um, what is it, some stairs so that I can get up and get at a better angle so that I can get that guy. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that, guys. So I've always been on the side of, well, you know, this is the game. This is the game that Epic wanted to make, so I'm just not going to build. How about that? I'm just going to make sure that my gunplay is top-notch and that way I can at least hold my own a little bit when we get into those later stages and you got those guys that are just doing what I don't even know what they what what they're called and my I've got a brother he is huge into Fortnite and he's got all these different terminologies of these different bills that he does it don't matter but you know what I'm you've if you know Fortnite you odds are you've seen one of these guys you look right you turn back and they've got a whole entire building just built right in front of you and now you've got to figure out well i don't know where they're at so this is going to be fun um so again never been a huge builder never been a huge fan of that uh but i've always been i i do like fortnite and i like the idea that you can bring any character that you want into this world and just go ham and go crazy right it's just it's one of the most enjoyable parts of this game is that I can go in, I can play right now, I can go in, and I can be Master Chief and take some dudes out. And then I'm like, you know what? Not really feeling Master Chief anymore. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be Aloy from Horizon Forbidden West. And then you know what? After that, I'm feeling a little Star Wars because I always feel Star Wars every now and then, obviously. So I'm gonna go and be Mando and I'm gonna uh, go take some dudes out with my buddy Grogu. And then you know what? he probably needs some help. I'm going to go get Boba Fett. We're going to have him run a few run a few matches. And then, um, you know, oop, shoot. Stormtrooper came in. He stole Grogu. And then I'll go and play with the Stormtrooper with Grogu on his back for a little bit. And then we'll hop back to Mando with Grogu on his back because Mando had to beat the Stormtrooper and get Grogu back. You see how I make these stories up as I'm playing and I'm going through these characters? This is what happens. I'm legit. Like, I'm telling you guys. So, um, it's it's a fun experience. And I am able to enjoy that without the building. I'm able to enjoy the game without having to do that building mechanic. And I'm not saying that um, I don't want it at all. Because as I as I started thinking about this, I'm like, well, in a sense, like, good for me. Good for me because I don't build. But in a sense, it does kind of seem like 
that's a huge gimmick for Fortnite. And, you know, that sets them apart from the other battle royales that are out there in the wild. Now, obviously, what I just touched on, which is the characters that they have and the, uh, you know, the different partnerships that they've done throughout the years is also a huge uh, gravitational pull as to why it gets so much traction. But I do think, and again, the building is a huge part of it too because you've got those guys that are legit, they know exactly what they're doing when they're building. And that is a part of their tactic when they're trying to take down, you know, um, somebody else across the map. So it just seems like nerfing it, taking it out of the game would potentially, potentially be a detriment to the game. Again, not for gamers like myself, because I don't care for it. But for the people who are hardcore in it, like, let's say my brother, and for anybody else who does appreciate that mechanic in that building, they're not having that. It seems like it's going to, again, like I said, bring it down to these other Fortnites and these other battle royales. These other Fortnites, I apologize. These other battle royales. But it doesn't, then we lose the gimmick. Then we lose the thing that makes this Fortnite, not the whole thing, but one of the biggest staples that made this separate from the rest when it first launched. So what do we think? Do we think that this is a welcome shakeup to the formula? Is it necessary? Like, do, do why, why did Epic want to do this? That's the other thing. Like, I don't think, I, again, I've heard people online, there are people who are super stoked for this just like I am, who do not build when they go in because they don't have that kind of time and they're not about to sit here and try to learn that mechanic. Because again, we're coming in here, we're trying to kill some people. That's just it. We're trying to take some dudes out. So not worried about the building. But I'm saying for the guys that are, and I feel like I am more so in the minority in that sense of people who don't like the building. I feel like the building in Fortnite, again, is why you're coming, one of the reasons that you're coming to Fortnite is for that aspect and that mechanic. So do we think that this is something that can stick around? That's the other question. Because I read this and I heard this and I immediately, the reason that I screamed is because I thought this was permanent. I thought, oh my God, the time is nigh. They are getting rid of building because they know that that crap's ridiculous. Let's go, come on Epic. And then I read that it's only gonna be for nine days because it's there's a lore reason why it's happening and we've got to figure out, the, the Rebels got to figure out what's going on. I'm like, oh, we were so close. We were so close to having the news that I wanted. <laughs> and now you just kind of, you, you just took my heart out and you crushed it. That's what you did. But, but, I do want to go over to PC Gamer. This was an article that posted today. It was about four hours ago as of recording. So, again, I'm recording on Thursday the 24th. So, this is four hours ago from today. Um, but it reads, title is, Fortnite's No Building Mode Will Be Made Permanent, Data Miners Say. So, again, Data Miners are people who, if, if you don't know, they're people who scoured the code of the game and they try to find um, hidden things that, you know, when Fortnite or when Epic puts out an update for Fortnite, they load that update in with basically like, you know, a month or so. Well, maybe two weeks or a month of content that will over time just start to um, go onto your normal feed and it'll change up the, the game and the formula. So... This is what where the data miners come in. They will go and scour that stuff to try to see what is coming, um, you know, later on down the road kind of thing in the in the season that we're in. So it reads, 
Epic recently switched off building in Fortnite's default mode. A change explained by way of a convoluted story trailer that ends with a surprise appearance by Doctor Strange. As Jody put it at the time, video games. Uh, the change was meant to be a temporary novelty, although we predicted that no build mode could become a permanent option if it was sufficiently popular. We are, therefore, not at all surprised that multiple data miners have discovered evidence that Epic is in fact planning on keeping the no building option around on all on a full-time basis. TweeBR said on March 21st that the no builds LTM that will be available after eight days will be called Solo No Build Battle Royale. There will also be no building modes for duos, trios, and squad as well. Hypex uh, corroborated the claim a couple days later, saying that there are separate no-building modes that they can enable any time after the LTM ends, and also that most loading screen, time, um, screen tips have been changed to say, in modes with building enabled. We said when the no-building mode was announced that removing a central element of the game might seem like a high-risk move. Again, I do think that as well. But Fortnite has thrived for years largely on the strength of reinvention. It's a battle royale, the same as PUBG, Apex Legends, and Warzone, and yet it's completely different. And yet it's a completely different kind of experience, one in which any number of Marvel superheroes, Olympians, and/or hip hop stars can warp in, kick ass, and be on their way without anyone raising an eyebrow. Changing it yet again, ironically, by making it more like its genre bedfellows, actually fits pretty well with the Fortnite formula, and it appears to be going well. Ahead of the recent leaks, plenty of people on Reddit were already expressing hope that a no-build mode of some kind would become a permanent part of the game. It says, I've reached out to Epic for confirmation of the permanent no-build mode and will update if I receive a reply. This was from Andy Chalk at PC Gamer. So, that was a very interesting read to, to come up with, you know, as I was getting ready to sit down and record, because that, again solidifies my thought that this could be something that we continuously see that this could be not even a thought but my dream that this is where we're going to go this is the future of Fortnite again they're still going to have the the um the building mode as we see here when it says in modes with building enabled in modes with building enabled so that tells me that they're going to have multiple modes. They're going to have some that are regular Fortnite, and then they're going to have some that are no building. And if they do the solos, duos, and squads, that, that's all you need. You don't need to do special modes with no building. We just need a solo, a duo. Shoot, you know, I mean, squads is dope, but I'm not even saying squads. If you wanted to keep it solo and duo, and those are the only modes that you can do with no, um, no building, that would be a welcome surprise. But it looks like we're getting even more than that. And I'm really hoping that this comes to fruition and that this is an accurate um an accurate leak from these data miners because if it is it's going to change the landscape of fortnite and it's going to bring a lot of people into fortnite who have never tried fortnite like myself back you know uh, about uh, in 2020 and again i didn't try it because of the building mechanics but getting past that and knowing like you know what i can hold my own without building and just focusing on the gunplay I was able to enjoy myself and enjoy my time with the game to where this is now, you know, a, a, a one of my rotation games. Every now and then, I will go back in and see what else I can get in uh, get into in Fortnite, see the new season, see what other characters I can download for or I download. I can um I can earn from the um from the battle pass. It it's just an ongoing thing that again, I'm not religiously playing it, but 
Every time that I do go back to it, I have an enjoyable experience every single time. And it's mostly because of those characters that I have and being able to swap between them whenever I see fit. And it just creates a very fun time and a fun experience. It feels like you're playing with toys, right? It feels like you're playing with action figures and you can play with whichever ones you want. It doesn't matter. And there's no, there's no penalty or perjury based on what you choose. And I, I really love that. And I love that they're getting rid of, not getting rid, but that they're giving these options for gamers who they obviously have seen are not a huge fan of the, of the building stuff. Yes, it is a huge staple of Fortnite, but it doesn't necessarily mean that this is the end-all be-all, that this is the only thing that Fortnite could be. And they're obviously seeing that now, and I like, I love to see it. So I am excited to see where this goes and how this story progresses. But it is time for the next segment. Can you smell what The Rock is cooking? That's right, baby. We are going over another WWE story from My Rise. So, again, I'm not sure how long we'll be doing this segment. But I really am enjoying the stories that are being told in the My Rise section of WWE 2K. So, I decided to give you guys yet another story in my WWE history, in my WWE universe. So, I've got this rival. His name is Paragon. I do not like Paragon. Paragon is a little dingus. And I... So annoying. He's so annoying. Anyway, he was back um, with me during my performance center days. So, I, I, I've, not, I've been with this dude. I've been going back and forth with him since the very beginning. Since I first booted up the game. Um, and... This dude thinks that because of that, we have a special bond. And he uh, he wants to partner up with me. He goes, he's like, man, I have been trying to get the Intercontinental Championship from Big E. And I've been failing. I can't get it. So I need your help. That's basically what he's, that's what he's offering me. He wants my help to help him get this championship. And I was like, well, uh, as I just stated, I don't really care for this dude, right? So how about this? How about I go for the title instead? And I'm going to cut the middleman out. We're not even going to deal with you. I'm going to go for the title. So I go for the title. And I, I hit up Big E on the socials. And I'm like, hey, man, I want a match. I want a match for your championship. Let's set it up. So he goes, all right, cool. So we set the match up. Next week on SmackDown, him and I are going at it. During the match, Paragon slimy ass decided to interfere. And he cost me the match. Immediately, he he knocked me out. I think I, I I'm pretty sure. I think they knocked me out, and then like I the match was over. They had to stop the match, so didn't even have a chance to see who who won that one. So at this point, I want to knock this dude's teeth in. I'm already irritated. I've been wanting to knock this dude's teeth in. I have already knocked this dude's teeth in in the performance center. I have not had a chance to really do my due diligence with this dude on SmackDown. So I want to knock his teeth in. So the GM sets up the tag sets up a tag team match between myself and Big E against Paragon and Shinsuke Nakamura. So, spoiler alert, we beat their asses. We beat them. Like, it's not even a debate that uh, this happened. So, we start off, and I go to town. I'm starting, I go to town on Paragon. I don't have time. I'm already irritated by all of your BS from the jump. So, I, I start piling him on. Unfortunately, the little weasel got um, out of the beatdown, with a, what is it, a fire tag. So he was able to get a fire tag and snaked out of the ring, and then Nakamura comes in. And I was getting Nakamura for a little bit, for a little bit, 
but he got the upper hand. He started beating my ass, and that was not fun. It was not fun at all. So I then decided, I'm like, you know what? Let's go get Big E in this, right? I, I, I need to go heal up. Let's go get Big E. So I go. I get Big E. Big E comes in, handles Nakamura. No problem. He starts doing his, his um, heavy lifts, lifting him over his head, drops him. Just keeps doing that over and over again. Again, I'm controlling him, but I'm, you know, whatever. So we get down. We get Nakamura down. Um, we get him stunned. We're keep, we keep going. We keep trucking. So as we're beating down Nakamura, as I'm beating down Nakamura, as Big E, uh, get the finisher done. Go knock down Paragon. We get um, the mat or go down for the pin. That's it. We win the match. We win the tag. So now... We go to the next week. Right after the match, we get hit up. We're like, okay, but, like, who is going to get a shot at this title? Because, it, like, yeah, tag match, cool, whatever. We got our frustrations out on Paragon and, and Nakamura. But where is our title match? I want I want a shot at the title. Like, that's the, the, the focal point of this whole story. So after that, um, we start to, or the GM starts talking to us, and he goes, well, why? I, I mean, why not all of you? I think all of you deserve a shot at the title. So it turned from a one-on-one -on -one title shot to a four-way free-for-all to see who's going to be bringing home this title. It was a dawning match. It was full of close calls. I mean, it, it, I got pinned multiple times. There were multiple times I, uh, I saw witness the pin go down. And whether it was a rope break or what, you know, we, the match kept going. But there were times that I was down and... They started counting. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get up to get this out. I'm not going to be able to do it. So I'm at the mercy of the game and the AI at this point uh, to see if I if I can pull this one out. So, you know, we're we're sitting on the edge of our seats here. So, um, you know, you didn't know what would happen next, basically. But in the end, I was able to capitalize on Big E and Paragon fighting outside of the ring. So they're outside doing their own thing. I come in. I had a finisher ready. Had it ready and ready to go. I charged it, hit it on Nakamura. He got stunned. I went for the pin. Three, two, one. Counts. I'm the champion. Next international champion. You're looking at him. The legend killer, Lord Vader. Thank you very much. Hold your applause. It's fine. So now, as of right now, I am officially a two title holder. And I have been dominating Monday Night Smackdown. For, at this point, at least six months. At least six months in the game world, right? Could there be a potential brand shakeup in the future? Does Lord Vader go over to Raw and start messing some stuff over there? I don't know. You'll have to wait and see and stay tuned because we will more than likely touch on that next week. But... I do want to quickly touch on the games that are coming out tomorrow. So tomorrow, we've got Tiny Tina's Wonderland, Ghostwire Tokyo, and Kirby the Forgotten Lands, a.k.a. the GOAT! The GOAT! The Throat Goat! Anyway, um, so the, all three of these games are promising, right? They look promising. Reviews have come out. They look promising. Now, in my last um, episode... We discussed the well, not the last episode, two episodes ago. We discussed the Sony play, uh, or the PlayStation State of Play, where we saw some gameplay, some more gameplay for Ghostwire Tokyo, and it did get me really hyped for the game. Then, 
but we've gotten previews, we've gotten reviews, and some people are a little down on the game. And it's kind of, you know, it's kind of swaying me to maybe put this on pause for a second. Let's see, you know, full release and see what happens. And we also got Kirby coming out the same day. Now, I'm going to preface this right now. I'm not touching Tiny Tina's, at least not right now, has not been in my mind. I'm just saying that game is coming out tomorrow on the 25th, but not in my mind. I'm not worried about it. So, for me, it was going to be Ghostwire. It was between Ghostwire and Kirby. For which one I was going to get. And I was I was so gung-ho on Ghostwire. I was really going to do both of them realistically. But I was so gung-ho about Ghostwire. Like Ghostwire was, or Ghostwire was uh, done. Like it was already going to happen. However, with again, re uh, the reviews and the previews coming out. I just don't know if that's something that I need right this second. That's what I'm saying. Right this second. I do want, I, I will be touching that game this year. Don't get me wrong. I will be messing around in that this year. Because it still looks intriguing. It's just with everything else that I've heard about the game, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a step back, I'm gonna take a step back, now, I have had hands-on with Kirby for the Forgotten Lands with the demo, and I can say without a doubt, this is the next banger for Nintendo, like, this is gonna be, this is going to break records for them, I feel like, I feel like it's going to, and I'm hoping that it does, because I'm hoping that we see more in this um in this universe in this line of kirby games where we're going more so in the 3d aspect i have not realistically i haven't played a kirby game since the game boy that was the last time i had a kirby game on uh, on any console and i so obviously never played a 3d i don't i mean i'm pretty sure i'm thinking this is the um the first like 3d kirby game but i'm thinking of more of like 3d modeling I haven't even played those. Like, I've only played a 2D Kirby game. So this game coming out, it, it intrigues me just in and of itself because I have not even played a fully 3D modeled Kirby game as opposed to now we're talking basically a 3D world Kirby game now that is of the likes of uh, Mario Odyssey. And that was a huge part and a huge thing that really, you know, stuck out to me was when I played the demo was that... It really did feel like the Kirby version of Mario Odyssey. So what Mario Odyssey did for the Mario franchise is what Kirby is going to do for the Cur or Forgotten Land is going to do for the Kirby franchise. So I'm very excited to get to jump into this. I've already got it downloaded on the Switch, so might be hopping into that later tonight after recording is ended. But I am not 100% sure. We'll have to wait and see. But I definitely will be discussing my initial impressions of Kirby the Forgotten Lands on next week's episode. So stay tuned for that. Um, but, guys... I think we're going to end here. This is all I really got for you for tonight. Um, you know, this was a great show. I really appreciate everybody who comes in and, you know, listens to the show each and every week. It means un it means a lot, guys. It means the world to me that even one person is listening to me, you know, for uh, any one of these episodes. So it's just, just know that it is very much appreciated that you guys do stick around and that you guys are coming back each and every week to see what I have to hash out in the gaming industry. But, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Jedi Master Ren. Remember, the R in Ren is the same R for Master. But, as always, may the Force be with you.